When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Pregnancy Confidential, week 38, baby blues versus postpartum depression, knowing the warning signs. Pregnancy Confidential is a girlfriend-to-girlfriend real talk podcast from the folks at Parents Magazine, where we have your back and bump through all 40 weeks. I'm Dana Points, the editor of Parents, and with me today is Mindy Walker, executive editor of Fit Pregnancy and Baby, and... Julia Dennison, managing editor of Parents Digital. And Mindy and I, between us, have five kids. So Mindy's the the overachiever, though. She has three. (laughs) And Julia, tell us your story. I am pregnant with, I was going to say pregnant with my first, but I always feel like that implies that you're definitely going to have more. So I'm pregnant. Okay. She's taking the fifth on how many children (laughs) she's planning. See how this one goes. So it's week 38. You're probably bouncing up and down on your birthing ball. I know I was. You're probably starting to feel kind of desperate to get that baby out and also really terrified of the possibility that the baby might come out Um, and that would make you a mom. The fear of the unknown at this stage is really the thing that could be the scariest of all. And one big unknown is what's your life going to be like when the dust settles and you have a newborn to take care of. If you're like us, you're probably following the stories of lots and lots of pregnant celebrities. And lately, it seems like there's been more and more women, famous women, opening up and talking really frankly about their postpartum depression. Hayden Panettiere is one example. And so you're probably wondering, you know, is this going to happen to me? Am I going to am I going to kind of crash after I have this baby? Before we tackle that subject, though, we're going to lighten the mood a little bit first and talk about your baby's size this week. Your baby is the size of, anybody want to take it? I'm going to say a small sack of potatoes. You know, it feels like a baby. Yeah, right. Those potatoes are those elbows and knees. That's right. And and I'm reading here a Grecian urn, which is slightly terrifying. So if you want more details on what's going on with your baby this week from a development standpoint, and, you know, stuff is really interesting right now. So we hope you'll sign up for our daily pregnancy email at parents.com slash pregnancy daily to get the scoop. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Our topic today is baby blues versus postpartum depression. When actress and TV personality Vanessa Lachey revealed that she struggled with the baby blues after giving birth to her son Camden, people were confused. So they were asking, did she have postpartum depression or what? Like, was baby blues just a euphemism for postpartum depression? And I have to hand it to her because she issued a clarification saying that 70 to 80 percent of new moms are affected by baby blues, while only 10 to 20 percent 
suffer from true postpartum depression. So it took Vanessa Lachey to educate us all that, you know, they're two different things. But what's the difference? I mean, I definitely had the baby blues, if baby blues could be described as like feeling sad when your husband left for work and you were all alone with the baby and you didn't know what to do with it all day and you were despairing of ever getting a shower or being weepy for seemingly no reason. And that is hormones. Just blame it on the hormones, like the way we do everything. But if it goes on for more than a few weeks and it's kind of a constant feeling of really dark, negative emotions, then you really could have postpartum depression. And that is something that you absolutely have to reach out to a doctor about. Far too few people actually feel like they can say something. And yet it is so common. You know, if you think about it, 10 to 20 percent, 20 percent is one in five. So if one in five people are feeling something, you know, you've got to speak up because there's a lot of knowledge out there about how to handle it. And there's so many ways to get support, you know, even just talking to your husband about it or your partner, talking to your, you know, friends. And your OBGYN is a great place to start. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you don't love your baby, even though, to be completely honest, you might feel like you're not really bonding with that baby in a great way. Or, you know, there are some women who have postpartum anxiety where they're really, really anxious about dropping the baby and they imagine themselves dropping the baby and, you know, not being able to care for the baby. It doesn't mean you're a bad mom. This is chemical, right? This is something that's as old and as deep as our our universe. So you have got to reach out for help. There is no shame in it. I mean, that's one reason I'm so delighted that Vanessa shared her story because, Moms don't even talk about the baby blues, much less mm-hmm. depression. I remember I had a friend who, you know, warned me about it in a very nice way. She's like, don't worry if you're crying a lot when you get home. And I kind of looked at her like, that's so rude of you. I'm going to be so happy. I'm a happy person. And she totally nailed it. I was crying in the hospital. I remember that going from being so elated and over the moon with my second child. And then by the end of the day, just feeling like, and it was the emotions, the hormones just coming out feeling so low, like this incredible low that I hadn't ever felt before. So it is, you need, have someone with you, you know, have someone you can talk to, someone with you, because it is, you are happy, you have this baby, but it's okay to cry too. Yeah. And you don't just sit there alone all day. That's not a good solution. Right. Those mom, those music classes, those mommy me music classes, they're for you. Right. They may be inane, but they are good (laughs) companionship. You know, what happens chemically is, you know, you're, you're on this incredible hormonal high up until the point that the placenta is delivered, right? Like you have the baby, you're really excited, you get to see the baby for the first time, out comes the placenta, and with it, whoosh, then it's like the worst PMS of your life, right? And plus, sorry, Julia, you just cover your ears now. Mm-hmm. Plus, you you have like all this other physical stuff that's happening, like you're trying to nurse mm-hmm. and maybe not, and it might not be going so well, and maybe you got some stitches or you have a hemorrhoid the size of one of the larger planets or mm-hmm. whatever. But all of that can be happening at the same time that you're having, you know, just kind of dark PMS oh. moodiness. And in fact, there was a study that found a link between PMS and postpartum depression. So if you're already one of those people, and you know who you are, who are really emotional when they have their period, you know, you might be at greater risk. So it's important to take care of yourself when that baby comes and to prepare for this and not just by having chocolate around. Now, the doctors, you're going to see your OB and the pediatrician. You're going to have at least two opportunities during your baby's first month of life, possibly more, after you leave the hospital 
to talk about this with a medical professional. Speak up. And whether it's your OB or your pediatrician shouldn't really matter because, I mean, like whoever you have the better bond with, that that's the person to, to talk to. But bring it up either way because they're both going to know about it. They're going to have seen it before. They're going to be you know, invested in helping you get help. So Well, and you brought up postpartum anxiety earlier. And I remember when I first had my baby, you had to walk across this landing to get from my bedroom to her bedroom. And I remember holding so tightly like I was going to accidentally or purposely like throw her over the Mm-hmm. thing. And I, I felt horrified at myself that I even, that thought came in my mind that I would toss her over. And I mentioned that to my pediatrician. I did bring it up to her and she said, you know, it's it's anxiety mm-hmm. and I'd, let's watch it. Mm-hmm. And we did and it was okay. But, you know, we've done stories at Fit Pregnancy about postpartum anxiety and it, you know, it's around 11% of, of women who have postpartum anxiety, yeah. which is pretty close there with with depression. It's, we don't talk about it as much, but it definitely is very real. Yeah. And you you need to be okay telling people about it. You're not going to get sent to jail. You know, that was my first thought. If mm. I tell my pediatrician... Right. Are they going to take away my child? Are they going right. to... Right. No. Mm. No. It means no. you love not your child. You love your child. You're so... You're so... Think of it this way, in a positive way, in that you're so obsessed with loving your child that you're actually nervous about it. And yeah. frame it that way. That kind of waking nightmare of dropping the baby or falling with the baby yes. or throwing the baby by mistake is really common. So... I've already had those nightmares in pregnancy, so I feel like they start early. Yeah. You maybe are spending too much time with us. I know. It's right. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I do remember there's so many people around you after the baby comes. But I do remember this kind of good girl syndrome of, like, treating everybody, even my close family, a little bit like house guests <laughs> when you might really just want to, like, break down and cry. So you have to have some some shoulders to to lean on. You can also plan it out. Like if your spouse gets any sort of time off too, maybe that time is taken after your mom leaves. So you don't have everybody there right. at the same time. That's a good point. And, you know, it can drag on. True postpartum depression can drag on. And there is medication. There is psychotherapy. So I think what we really want to leave everybody with is this idea that you've got to speak up if you have any kind of serious concern. It's a big life change. Mm-hmm. It is. It's understandable to feel like crying sometimes. But we also want to hear from our listeners. How have your emotions been for you during your pregnancy? I hope you'll tweet us the details at Parents Magazine with the hashtag Pregnancy Confidential. This week's Relax You've Got This tackles the dreaded episiotomy. Do people still get them anymore? Will you need one? What's it like? Let's get the definition out of the way. I'll put on my doctor hat and read it to you. I'll plug my ears. Yeah. You plug your ears, Julia. You pregnant thing, you. <laughs> An episiotomy is a surgical incision. It goes from the vagina to the anus. So it's this area called the perineum. And it's made during labor so you can get your baby's head and shoulders out of your vagina. So it used to be routine, Doctors, believe it or not, used to cut women indiscriminately. It was like a standard part of labor because otherwise, in many, many cases, to be completely frank, what will happen is that the the skin or the membrane down there will tear. And so doctors thought that cutting and having like a single clean incision was preferable to tearing because afterward they do have to stitch you up and they would stitch you often you know, whether they cut or whether you tore. And so I think part of it, what was going on was it was just kind of easier to have that clean incision that could be neatly stitched up versus a tear. 
but there's been a lot of controversy about this. And it's now becoming less popular because several studies have found that it's really not a good idea, certainly not in all cases, that episiotomies are actually associated with more pain postpartum and can even lead to complications like incontinence versus tearing. If you just kind of let nature take its course and if your baby's head is too big, you just tear. And Julia has the most frightened, (laughs) awful look on her face. But Julia, I am coming to you to say that, and never mind our engineer, Zach, who is also (laughs) about to keel over listening to this. But having had an episiotomy and I sit here before you today, I'm perfectly fine. So don't worry, you know, whatever happens. In fact, I can't even remember with my second one what happened. I think it's good just to remember it's not an option that you're not going to have either one. You know, it's, you're going right. to either tear There's or have some an damage. Oh, God. I was right. about to say, so can I we just pass what people have to option? remember? Well, with right. the first now. Yes, with the second true. baby. I feel, although we, there will be, I'm sure, people on our Twitter saying, no, of course you can do it. I did because there is this thing called perineal massage, yeah. right? But we'll get to that in a minute. So, you know, if, if, if the tissue doesn't want to stretch, if the baby's in distress, of course, you are still going to get an episiotomy. But it's less common than it used to be. It really should be the exception rather than the rule. And if you don't want one, you shouldn't be forced to have one if it's not medically necessary. So it should not just be a routine part of anyone's delivery Mm. these days. What the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists says is that doctors should use their judgment. You know, I think you should definitely talk to your doctor beforehand. You can ask them, like, what is your rate of episiotomy? Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, should ask okay. their rate. Ask their rate. Rather about saying, can I not have one? Right. And then, and or in the practice even, because remember, you may not have your doctor when you go into labor. So, you know, what is their whole, what is the practice's philosophy on it? And I find that most of them are very open to it. But they do reserve that right. Like in the moment, if your baby has this nice, beautiful, gigantic head that you're going to love putting a hat on someday, you may need an episiotomy. Or you, you know, I've, I've had both and you, they stitches for both and it's okay. You know, you, you get right. through it. Right. Well, the fact that I cannot remember what happened with my second one is, is a an good indication. Sign. It's a good sign, right? It's an indication that, hey, it wasn't really any such and a so big pres- deal. And presumably when you're in the moment, you're not thinking about that. That is not the time to say, oh, the American College of Obstetricians <laughs> and Gynecologists said yada, yada. You know, like you need to discuss this. This is part of your birth plan. You need to discuss it ahead of time. If you feel strongly that you don't want an episiotomy and you don't want the incision um, and that you want to just tear, you're going to need to tell your doctor that and ask mm-hmm. what their philosophy is because user judgment to me is sort of shorthand for, well, it's up to the doctor, right? Like right. it's in his or her judgment, mm-hmm. whereas you might feel really strongly. Now, let's get to the alternative. And I don't mean tearing. I mean this idea of perineal massage to loosen things up beforehand. Just, you know, basic massage oil, like olive oil. Mm-hmm. And you can do it yourself with your fingers. And you're just trying to kind of stretch and moisturize that tissue down there. I know I've read some people are like, get your partner to do it. I'm like, I don't know. That's like asking my partner to give me a bikini wax. I mean, it's Mm. just not going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) And some people have their midwife help, you know, so Mm. it's definitely an option. When it actually happens, like when you get an episiotomy or when you tear, are you aware of it? Well, that, my friend, would depend on whether you've had an epidural. Okay. And what else is going on? So if you've had an epidural, you have, you're not feeling it. Right. Right. I had an epidural when I got mine and she just said, all right, I'm just going to do a little cut right now. 
And then the next thing that happens is, here's your baby. Yeah, so, right, right. you know, it's not like they're doing this and then 10 hours pass and there's your baby. It's Got like, it. they're, it's like, wham, it's like, bam, there's happened. your baby. And you're completely distracted by the fact that your baby, baby is there. So right. So you've forgotten about, about the fact that you just had your vagina yeah. cut into. Right. Now, after this all happens and you're healing and you have those stitches, you know, you can get that hemorrhoid pillow, that donut pillow. Love to the donut on. pillow. You can take some maxi pads and you're going to be wearing them anyway. Let's get real. You can put, you know, a little water, put them in the freezer. Don't make it like rock hard, but just chill a damp pad in the freezer and then sit on it. And then you can obviously continue that massage really super gently. But, you know, like a little moisture never hurt anything. So how long did it take for you to heal with the stitches? Did you say it was like two or three weeks? Oh, yeah. It was really mm-hmm. fast. And you then can... you get totally distracted by other things right. to where you they're baby. not even focused. Like uterine contractions. That's going to uh-huh. take over a lot more of the pain when your the uterus postpartum is... The postpartum Yeah, postpartum. Yes. When your uterus is going back down okay. to its, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. what, 20 times Yeah, it's size. shrinking back to size. That actually, to me, is a lot a lot more painful. So mm. that's good. You like can, it's you cramps. Know, cramps, yeah. yeah. The cramps of coming back down. But I'd say that, you know, every your doctor is going to want to know, like, are you moving in the right direction? It mm-hmm. may take a couple weeks, but a week later it shouldn't feel worse, so much worse than did a week Got ago. It. it may still hurt, but you should be, like, moving in the right direction. Right. right. And they are probably going to tell you pretty soon, if not while you're still in the hospital, to start those Kegels. Because that does promote better circulation mm-hmm. down there, and then that in turn helps with the healing. Right. And then temporarily, it's kind of normal for it to be easy to lose a little urine, like when Mm. you sneeze or when you cough or when you exert yourself. But with the diligent use of the Kegels, that should stop, right? If it doesn't stop, talk to your doctor again. But you just want to promote the circulation and that that should help. So how long afterwards did you feel like you're down there, got back to normal, or did it ever? When I went for my six-week of follow-up, you know, things felt pretty fine down there. That's usually when you're like, released on your own recognizance. Right. Okay, Mm -hmm. you can have sex. Right, right, right. Okay. You might still be like, oh, not interested. (laughs) So that's it for Pregnancy Confidential for now. Our producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. Our engineer is Zach Dinerstein. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Let us know what you think of the show. You'll find us on Twitter at Parents Magazine, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Parents Magazine, or Instagram at, of course, Parents Magazine. And if you like the show, please tell a friend a pregnant friend, that is, and subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment whenever you subscribe. It helps other people find the show, and it gives us your feedback. Unlike other podcasts, you don't need to wait a week for the next episode. If you want to see what the week's ahead, and there aren't that many of them left, hold for you. You can listen right now. <laughs>